Hello everyone and welcome back to the Building from the Bottom podcast. I'm your host, Gawa Farafati, and this is Chapter 3, Episode 13, Let's Go. So, as normal, it's the typical Sunday afternoon. Just got back from shopping, sitting in my bedroom here in the UK, in Derby. And the weather outside is sunny, but also really cold, and it has a a chilling breeze here in the UK today. This week, I have been on a roller coaster of thoughts, and my head has gone from one place to another. And so today, there'll be some really quite strange turns in terms of content, but I really want to share my journey with you and share some of the things that I've delved into in regards to my thoughts this week. So I'm going to jump straight in and start off with a topic that not many people like talking about. A topic that oftentimes people try and avoid and something that a lot of people don't want to face. And that whole topic is death. Most of you will probably know that death is going to happen to us. And if you haven't fully thought about that yet, it might be worth spending five minutes to just truly realize that death happens to all of us. And at some point we are all going to die, whether that's tomorrow or whether that's in a hundred years, we're going to die. And so after reading this book that I'm currently reading about dreaming and why we dream, um, it really got me thinking about the whole kind of dream process and it said something in this book and it really got me thinking about death which is quite unusual and the point of what in my diary is when we die do we just go into the dream state so just how when we go to sleep every hour and a half we have a dream and as we sleep for longer that dream gets progressively longer when we actually die do we just have one long dream and actually when people refer to hell do they just mean that they're not actually controlling their dreams and so that lack of control is considered as hell because oftentimes people don't control their dreams and most people don't control their dreams and they just go through dreaming as a process that just happens to them every night and there's no control over it. Whereas actually the whole concept of controlling your dreams is known as lucid dreaming. And it's an area that not many people even think about, let alone spend some time to try and control what they are dreaming about in their dreams. And as I mentioned last week, dreaming can really help you solve problems and decisions that are going on in your waking life so this whole concept of dreaming is really really interesting to me and especially when referring to heaven and hell as a lot of people will call it and when it comes to religion and the idea of heaven and hell and there being a god i don't really fit into any categories i think it's not something that i'm necessarily searching an answer for and for my religion, I wouldn't consider myself as having any religion because I don't believe in God. I don't really believe in science. 
but I don't also feel the need of having to look for something to believe in. I'm completely fine just being Gareth on a world where humans think that there's something out there in the universe, but I'm not entirely sure and don't really know what happens before we are born and after we die. And I'm completely okay with that. But reading this book really got me thinking about maybe there's a link between dreaming and heaven and hell and this whole concept because back way, way, way before I was alive, people used to base their lives off their dreams. And so it would really make sense if the story of the Bible came from that. And just like Chinese whispers, as we are going through years and years and years of people telling similar stories, little things have changed. Maybe the idea of God and the idea of having this miracle worker started off in a dream. And maybe the idea of heaven and hell meant that people actually knew what happened when we died. But over time, we forgot. And over time, it could have been back then. Heaven and hell is seen as control or not control over the dreams when we die. And I know this is quite a, a point that I could talk about for a while. But oftentimes in life, when we're living, we can sometimes get frustrated because of the lack of control. And if you have lack of control for your whole life, for example, then you would get very, very frustrated because it means you never get to make any decisions and your life is just happening to you. And so that whole concept of hell could just be the fact that you aren't able to control what's happening. And so you're in this hellish state because for example, if in a dream you have a nightmare, you can't kind of realize during that dream that actually you're just dreaming. And then that means that you could constantly have nightmares, but never be able to get out of them because you don't realize that you're dreaming. And so those of you that don't read upon dreams, I've just realized that this might seem like a really quite complex topic to talk about, but lucid dreaming certainly have a read on it if you're listening to this and i'd love to know your thoughts on dreaming and the whole concept of heaven and hell and whether you think that actually when we die we just go into the dream state and we just uh kind of spirit if you will lives in the dream state along with everybody else's spirit after we all die super kind of weird topic to, to start off with this week but really really deep and interesting and I think the whole concept of life as a whole and also what happens after we die is a really interesting topic and it's certainly something that is just kind of mind-blowing to me when I think about the whole concept of heaven hell living and death and also the wider universe and thinking what can actually be out there and the possibilities makes my everyday decisions feel so small in comparison. Moving on very swiftly from the topic of death as not many people are talking about it or hearing about it is 
something that happened to me on the train home on Monday this week. So those of you that don't know, every day I travel from Derby to Birmingham in the UK, which is about a 45 minute train journey away. So I get the train there in the morning and the way home, I also get the train back. And on Monday evening, I was on the train at about half five in the evening. And there was a young boy sitting next to me, but across the aisle. And he was sitting with his parent or carer. I think it was his mom. And the questions that this young boy was asking was really eye-opening to me as one of the questions, for example, he was asking was, he was asking, asking the parent or carer about why he learns history. And I found it somewhat funny, but also amazing to hear someone that young talking about the education system in that way, as there's a lot of older people talking about it, saying it's outdated. But the fact that someone that young, he was only about, I would guess, eight. He could be a little bit older, but I, I would guess about eight. And the fact that he was asking why he learns history and saying things like, history is for people that want to be a historian, was extremely, extremely interesting. And he was asking a few more questions around those types of questioning whether it was even relevant at all. And it gave me a real sense of appreciation and gratitude of my life because I was just like that when I was his age. And I, I, I remember also being in high school and asking the really weird questions, which nobody asked the questions like, um, what happens if actually life isn't what we think it is and things are completely different and just asking really, really weird questions. For example, a big question that, I ask quite a lot of people and it's one of the questions that I'm never going to get an answer. But when we go to the doctors and we say, oh, we've got a blocked nose and a cough, for example, the doctor will probably say to you, oh, it's okay. You've just got a cold. You'll be fine in a few days. But how do you know that your cold is the same as your friend's cold? How do you know that having the flu is the exact same as having the same flu as what your friend has got? And the truth is, feelings are very subjective to an individual. And you might feel immense pain, but to another person, that might just be normal. And that might not be painful at all. And I think part of the whole concept of feeling emotions is that we never know whether it's actually the same as anybody else on the planet. And so that really makes me question the whole concept of science and the whole concept of being doctors and being prescribed things like, I don't know, paracetamol. Um, because yes, it might work, but how do we actually know that we've got the same as everybody else that's taking paracetamol? And the truth is we don't. And so going back to the point of this, young boy it, it really really made me realize that i am quite a lot older from when i started having those types of thoughts but not much has actually changed in regards to who i am as a person i've became a bit more self-aware i've became a bit more kind of 
a bit more of an adult, if you will, and a lot more mature. But in regards to those types of thoughts and the way I perceive the world, yes, bits have changed, but there are also core foundation parts that are exactly the same. And I always used to question the world around me, questioning what people called weird questions and asking those questions, which people never asked because they were just considered as weird. And part of that could link to why everyone in school thought I was weird, to be completely honest. And it's a super, super interesting topic. And I think there are people out there that they do ask really weird, deep mindful questions but if people don't ask them on a day-to-day basis you are just going to be perceived as weird another example of a great person that probably would have been considered weird when they were alive is albert einstein and there's a story that you get told in science i think it's albert einstein um or it's another famous scientist the story of when a person was sitting under a tree and then an apple dropped on their head. And that's how they realized actually gravity was a force that was being played. And that individual during their life, if they were sitting under a tree and an apple fell on your head, nine times out of 10, a person wouldn't have thought anything about it. But the fact that this individual sat there and thought, why does it fall down and not up? is really extremely different to what anybody else at the time would have been thinking. And I think what I'm thinking is a very, very similar state and a very similar kind of feeling, if you will. And so I just find that super, super weird and crazy. Weird questions by Gareth. I think this podcast should be called because Clearly, I'm very sucked into weird questions. And you'll see what I mean when I go on to the next one. Um, And it's quite funny because I'm now moving on to Tuesday morning, which was like 12 hours after I'd seen this boy on the train. And I was still thinking about this boy and the questions that he had been speaking about to his parent or carer. And on Tuesday morning, I woke up and I opened my eyes. And the first thing I thought in that day was, Today is the day that could change my life. And I think just waking up and having that first thought really started my day in a good mood, a good kind of, I don't know, a good vibe. And I'm sure I had a very nice aura on that day to anybody else that came across and spoke to me. And then when I left the flat in the morning after getting myself ready and leaving about quarter past seven in the morning, 20 past seven, I walked down the road and I looked up at the sky and it was the exact same as the one on my mobile phone wallpaper. And I found that really, really weird because that first thing had happened in the morning about where I woke up and that was my first thought of the day. But then when I left the flat and I saw the sky looking the exact same as the background on my mobile phone wallpaper because my mobile phone wallpaper has a quote on it that says go get it and then there was the sky in the background the fact that these two matched and that was in real life and then that was on my phone really got me thinking that maybe this could be a day for change maybe this could be a day that would really 
just have some impact on a major scale. And the truth is it probably didn't, but I just had a feeling on that day that it was more than a coincidence. Maybe someone somewhere was trying to tell me something. And I don't really know if I believe in fate or destiny, but it just seemed a bit more than a coincidence to me on that day. And it was also the day that I was expecting an email to come through to my phone about whether or not I had landed that first client. And the truth is I didn't get the email. I didn't get any email on that day that I wanted to get. I still haven't got an email that I wanted to get. Um, but I am going to follow up with this individual to see if actually in the next few weeks I could have my first client potentially. Super, super interesting, super exciting times for me. But Monday and Tuesday, I don't know what it was. I had a lot of weird thoughts running through my head and clearly that is demonstrated in this podcast. I'm now going to talk about a book and Oftentimes I do talk about quite a few books on this podcast, but this book I got from my girlfriend. And at the time I was thinking about getting a journal. I'm not entirely sure if I mentioned it on this podcast, but I was looking at getting a journal for the morning to really get me to start reflecting and spending time in the morning to reflect as opposed to constantly being in a state of reflection and thinking about what I could have done better, what I can do worse, um, what didn't go so well, what went well. And so in the evening, a few days before Valentine's Day, my girlfriend got me and gave me this evening journal. And this evening journal is called Five Minutes in the Evening, a journal for rest and reflection. And it's I don't think it has an author, but it's by Asta. I think that must just be the company of the book. But anyhow, so now I'm going to start spending five minutes in the evening just reflecting and filling out one or two pages of this journal. And actually, initially when I got it, I was a little bit surprised that it was an evening journal as opposed to a morning journal. But I think on reflection, having an evening journal will be better because I don't really have an evening routine per se, but I do have a morning routine. And evenings are something that I'm constantly fighting with to try and get a better evening routine because at the moment it's just a matter of watching TV and falling asleep. Whereas actually, if I can spend a bit of time in that evening to reflect and focus on what's gone on in my life during that day or that week. I think it will be really, really beneficial for my mental well-being, but also allow me to see things that I'm doing a bit more clearer. And so that's going to be happening as of tomorrow, really. Um, I might do it tonight. I might start tomorrow. I'm not entirely sure, but that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm excited. It's got loads of different questions in there to really prompt you to start thinking about reflection and so the sorts of things that you should be thinking about. And the reason I wanted one like this was because it will prompt me to know what to write down. A lot of famous entrepreneurs talk about journaling in the morning, but 
I never know what to write down because I'm constantly thinking lots of different thoughts at one time. So that is going to be something that I'm going to start doing and working on. I'll keep you guys posted on how well that goes. I'm not entirely sure whether it will be extremely exciting to start off with, but over time I think I'm going to develop my thoughts and really get a lot better at journaling as a whole. I'll keep you guys posted on that. I'm only going to do one or two pages a night. I'm not going to start by filling out half a book. But yeah, we'll kind of see how that goes. The next point in my diary is working for a company or starting a company that's going to tell you to shout louder rather than silence you. Now, I write this point down because it's a topic that I wanted to make a video about on LinkedIn, but I can, there's kind of a thin line about the sort of content I can post on LinkedIn at the moment. And I have been thinking about if my company scales up and I have 30 or 60 employees and quite a few of them would have a personal brand, I assume. And if they've built that personal brand, whether that's on LinkedIn, whether that's on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, I would want them to talk about absolutely anything they want. And the truth is, yes, that could have an impact on the company brand. But personally, I can't really see in any way, shape or form where that would have a negative impact on the brand unless they are talking negatively about the brand. And I think if anyone tells you at a company you work for that you need to be careful about what you're posting online, I think that kind of raises alarm bells to me and makes it seem like the company that you're working for or the company, yeah, it would be the company that you're working for. The company you're working for must be nervous because they don't think they're doing a good enough job internally to kind of risk manage that, if you will. So if you work for a company or you start a company that is constantly putting employees first and employee health and well-being first, and constantly making sure that all of your employees are good and they're feeling okay. And if they decide that they want to leave you, then you're going to help them and see what you can do to really make their life better. If you're doing these types of things, then surely they will never post anything bad about you or your company because they will really respect the fact that you've gone out of your way to help them, even though helping them find a job and leave your company isn't necessarily in your best interest because you're losing that employee. It will leave them happy. Just like when a person comes into your company and you do all those different things to try and make them happy and make sure that they feel safe and they feel secure and they know what they're doing in their job. You also need to make sure that employees are happy when they're leaving as opposed to letting them rush to finish all of their work um, just before they leave and then giving them, I don't know, some flowers and then saying goodbye, making sure that even if they haven't got a job lined up, 
seeing how you can bring value to them in the future, just like how you would try and bring value to your clients in the future. And just like a client relationship, you also need to have a really good relationship with your employees. Not only do employees apparently work for you, for example, you also need to work for them. You need to make sure that all your employees are happy. You need to make sure that um, they know what they're doing. You need to make sure that if something is wrong, that they can come to you and all, and you will have an open door policy and that um, they will feel safe and secure coming to you as opposed to just talking to other fellow employees who also start to feel the same and then the whole kind of company culture aspect goes out the window. So I just really wanted to talk about that for a little bit because it's something that a lot more companies should be doing, especially in terms of company culture. So I'm going to read out the quote again that I wrote and I mentioned at the beginning of this point. Work for a company or start a company that is going to tell you to shout louder rather than try and silence you. And obviously, people talking on their personal brands will have an impact automatically on your company brand. But if your company is doing the right things to keep employees happy, then there shouldn't be no problem. Moving on to the next point. And I think this is going to be the final point because it's quite a deep point and I think it will keep you guys interested. I had a tough conversation with my girlfriend this week and we were eating our dinner, sitting on the sofas in our flat and she asked me a question. Well, she asked me quite a few questions about my company, about why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm starting it and why I couldn't just what what would be the difference between me starting my company and just going to work for someone else that's doing a similar thing and the truth is i don't think there would be any difference if i'm being completely honest starting a company and working for someone else who's doing the same thing as you there wouldn't be no difference i think the only main difference would be is that you are building it and what you bring to the table is the difference. That company culture aspect that you can build, building a team of people that really respect you and being happy to go to work every day and being able to do amazing things and really have a voice and help inspire others to have a voice too is probably the main reason why I'm starting my company. And it doesn't necessarily matter what I do. I could start a public speaking bureau. I could start doing LinkedIn personal branding as opposed to podcasts. I could start a singing aspect of the company, but that's giving people a voice and that's what I'm all about. And that's really kind of ingrained in my core person. And although, yes, I may have limited experience in side actual businesses and actually being an employee, I think from the limited time I've spent, I've just never really felt right. And I've never really felt like I fit in and never really felt like it was something that I want or, or somewhere that I wanted to be. It was always something that just kind of had to be. And yes, there are parts of me that are like, if they can do it, then I can too. But 
I certainly don't think I'm just trying to copy anyone else. It's definitely something that I feel like is right for me. And it's not something I can exactly explain because it just feels right. And it just makes me happy. And it makes me fired up and it makes me actually want to invest time and effort into. And I don't know, it's just kind of weird. I can't exactly explain it, but it's just, I don't know, it just feels right. And it really kind of left a tear in my eye because it, it, it went quite deep and my girlfriend was asking me all these questions and I felt a little bit overwhelmed and um, it really got me wondering, well, why am I actually doing this? And it made me wonder about something that I've kept saying to myself and it kind of comes down to that resilient personality that I constantly mention and you're probably fed up of hearing me mention, but I constantly keep saying to myself that today could be the day or that it could just be down the road. It could just be around the corner, but how long is that road? And the truth is, if I keep saying to myself, it could just be down the road, how long is that road? Because if that road is two minutes down the road, then that's great. But if that road is 20 years still trying to get that first client, then maybe I need to get a faster car. Maybe I need to get a faster vehicle. And maybe, just maybe, I need to change my surroundings. And I think if I change where I am, if I change who I'm listening to, and I just start focusing on me and I start focusing on my voice and my thoughts, as opposed to constantly seeking advice and constantly seeking guidance, the company might be okay. And it should be fine. And it, I'm sure it will be fine. And it comes back to a quote I heard on Stephen Bartlett's podcast this week about in the beginning, the people that he had interviewed, it's two co-founders of a sweet company. And they said, part of the reason they were successful was because they had no idea what they were doing. And that definitely kind of resonated with me because I honestly, half of the time, I am not 100% sure what I'm doing. And so when it comes to sales and things, which is an area that I've mentioned multiple times that I kind of struggle with, when it comes to that, maybe I should just be me and just do what I think is right, as opposed to following what YouTube videos are saying, following what people have told me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn videos, following what I've researched, as opposed to just following that, maybe I should just take my own strategy. And maybe I should also try different things. I honestly think I'm a little bit nervous because when I land that first client, there's suddenly an expectation that I have to perform. And there's an expectation from their business that I need to meet a certain requirement. And I think I'm a little bit nervous about that, but I'm also extremely excited. And hell, you never know this time next week, I might have a client, which is scary. I'm kind of scared, but I think it will all work out and I'm sure it will. I kind of believe in myself in that way. I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen in the future.
but I know I'll be okay. And deep down, I just have this inkling that I could be onto something. I just need to find the message that resonates with the right people. And once I find that, who knows what will happen. But that will all be on future episodes. I'm sorry to leave it with that thought in your head. But just remember about some of the things I've said today. And just have a think about it. Is there a road that you're going down and you've been going down a while that maybe you could find an alternative route or maybe you could drive your car or vehicle a little bit faster? Do you think that dreams, you think we could be in the dream state when we die and that people are just in hell because they are not lucid dreaming? Do you ever see anyone on your commute that's asking questions and really gets you thinking? I'd love to know the answer to all of these and more about what you guys think about this podcast, either in the review section of this podcast or feel free to hit me up on any of my social media channels, which will all be down below in the description. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. My name is Gareth Rafferty and this has been the Building from the Bottom podcast, chapter three, episode 13. Thank you so much for listening and have an amazing week. Thank you.